We've been going through Acts chapter 2, and we have been examining the story of the start of the New Testament church and looking at the various things that God was doing in them, the things that were important to them. And today we come to the concept of hospitality, that hospitality is ordinary in the church. And today we want to do something a little bit out of the ordinary. Uh, I'm going to have some people come over and hang out with me uh, while we have church today. And so, um, Mickey, would you come and join me at the table this morning? This is my friend Mickey Duncan. Um, you can go ahead and have a seat. I'll be right there. Let's see. Um, let's come over this direction. Everybody just got real nervous over here. Uh, Kenny, Kenny, come on up here with me. Kenny Curley, you can come join me here at the table this morning. I wanted to invite you guys over to my house uh, and uh, the Lord's house and hang out here for a little while. You can here have a seat there at the table. I'm glad y'all are here. Thanks for coming and, and spending some time with me this morning. You know, uh, we ask the question every week, what would happen if the extraordinary became ordinary, and I think that the extraordinary would become ordinary when people start becoming doers of the word and not just hearers only. I think that the extraordinary would become ordinary when we stop just reading about what the first century church did and start doing what the first century church did. Luke, in this passage, gives us a glimpse into the practice of this special group of people, uh, and he kind of allows us to, to peer into how they were living, and this practice of hospitality was one of their greatest apologetics. I'm convinced that if we made hospitality ordinary, that it would make an enormous impact for the kingdom of God in our culture. The poet Maya Angelou once wrote that people will forget what you said, and they'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And I think that that is why hospitality is so impactful, because you are making people feel a certain way uh, by the way that you are ministering to them and serving them. Now, I asked if we all stand for a minute, uh, if in honor of God's word, if you're able. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2 today, talking about how hospitality is ordinary. Acts chapter 2, in verse 41, the word of God says, So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Thank you. You may be seated. As we think about hospitality being ordinary today, the action step that I want all of us to consider in our lives today is this, to embrace a lifestyle 
of hospitality for the kingdom. I want you to think about what it would look like for you to embrace a lifestyle of hospitality for the kingdom's sake. And so as we think about that, as we go through this passage, there's two things about hospitality that I think we can pull out of this passage of Scripture. That hospitality is going to require sacrifice of us. And secondly, that hospitality is going to require love from us. And so we're going to begin with this concept that hospitality requires sacrifice. And there in verse 46, the Bible says that every day that they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, and they broke bread from house to house. And so as this New Testament church was forming, we continually see them together. And I've mentioned that as we've been going through this series. Do you see that word together, one, uh, all, all throughout these verses? And this is no different. Uh, they were worshiping together. They were fellowshipping together regularly. It says they broke bread from house to house every day. And so that's how you know that this was a Baptist church, right? Uh, because they were eating all the time. No, seriously, though. Um, they really enjoyed spending time together. And there was this unusual hospitality that occurred among this group. And the, the hospitality was a hallmark of this New Testament church. They were always welcoming of people into their fellowship. But Kenny, this sort, of, this sort of hospitality requires sacrifice. There's no doubt about that. Uh, their hospitality meant that they were going to have people over at their house. I mean, they're meeting from house to house every day. And so eventually it's going to be your house. Okay, so, so they were having people over at their house. It meant that they were going to be providing food for other people. It meant that they were going to be investing their time and their life into the lives of other people. And that requires sacrifice. I mean, just consider the story that Jesus tells about the man who comes and knocks on his friend's door at midnight. And he's, be he's begging him to give him three loaves of bread because a guest had come over in the middle of the night to his house. And he woke him up from sleep and, 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 and is asking him to give him some food. That's the sort of hospitality that you see in this church, that they would be willing to do that. And we know that that's not easy. We know that it's costly. We know that it's going to put people out. In fact, Peter, who is a part of this church, when he writes his letter in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, listen to what he says. He says, above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. And so the fact that Peter has to tell this New Testament church to practice hospitality without complaining means that they were complaining. Okay, uh, It means that they, this was hard for them. That it, it put them out. That it required sacrifice. But although it's something that's obviously hard... It was something that this New Testament church was committed to do. We find it all through the letters of the New Testament. For example, in Romans chapter 12, verse 13, Paul writes to the church at Rome and says, Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. He's reminding them of this very thing that we're talking about this morning. When we look at this New Testament church, we see that 
this thing that we're talking about this morning was a requirement to be a pastor. In Titus chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, it says, As an overseer of God's household, he must be blameless, not arrogant, not hot-tempered, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, not greedy for money, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, righteous, holy, self-controlled. And all this list of things that they were to be, one of those things was hospitable, that, that they would invite people into this sort of relationship. It was even something that they expected from widows in the New Testament church. Uh, when Timothy, uh, Paul is writing to Timothy about putting together a list of widows that the church would care for, he says there in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 10, that they should be well known for good works, that is, if she's brought up children, shown hospitality, washed the saints' feet, helped the afflicted, and devoted herself to every good work. And so it seems to me that this was an expectation out of everybody that was part of the church at that time. I mean, if they're, if they're expecting widows, you know, who would have been sort of uh, the, the, hard, the ones that were facing the most hardship, if they weren't excused from showing hospitality, then everybody was supposed to be doing this that was a follower of Jesus. It just seems to me that it was ordinary for them. And so they were giving of their most valuable resource, their homes, for the sake of Christ. They understood that every good gift comes from above, uh, and that included their house. And so have you ever considered that the Lord has given you the place that you live in order to use it for the kingdom of God. Have you ever thought about that before? You know, for us in the South, when we a lot of times think about hospitality, we think really about entertaining people. Uh, and there's a difference between what the Bible describes as hospitality and what oftentimes we do in the South, which is entertaining Entertaining is about, you know, putting your best foot forward. It's about putting out your best dishes. It's about showing off your house. <laughs> it's, about, uh, it's about you, really. But hospitality is different than that. Hospitality is about the other person. It's about caring for them without any expectation of anything in return. It's about making someone to feel welcome. It's about serving someone. And so... What would be different from how we view entertaining is you don't have to have a perfectly clean house. That's, that's one thing that I hear a lot of times. That I can't have people over. Our house is a mess. Right? I don't think anybody's going to say, well, I was going to accept Christ as Lord, but your laundry was on the couch, so uh, <laughs> not going to do it. You don't have to have a big enough house in order to have people over. I, I would have people over, but my house just isn't big enough. Or have the nicest plates, you know, to have people over. Again, they're not going to say, well, I thought about, you know, kind of becoming part of Wallace, but you use Chinette. So, uh, you know. It's not a bad thing to have nice dishes or to have a big house or for it to be clean. It's just not a prerequisite for hospitality. 
I think about a time that your husband, Mike, and I uh, were on a mission trip, and we were in Mexico. And we were outside of this church building in this remote village. You, ha- you could only get there by boat. Uh, and we were sleeping in hammocks outside, outside of this church building. And the next day, a family invited us to come over for breakfast, this family that lived in the village. And so we went over to their house that morning, and we arrive at the house. It's a wood hut. It has a thatch roof and a dirt floor. There's a small table in the corner that two people could sit at, and so he and I sat down at it, and they bring us over some instant coffee that was really tasted about like tea. It was so weak, Uh, and they fed us some eggs that were from the chickens that were standing right over there beside us inside, (laughs) and by American standards, it wasn't really a lot. But they were offering to us as guests, people that they didn't even know, the very best that they had. In fact, it was all that they had. What we were eating was what they were supposed to eat for breakfast that morning. That's hospitality. I think about another mission trip that we went on right before COVID uh, into Southeast Asia. And on that trip, our team split up into to groups, and we were going throughout the village and visiting different homes. And there was a group that had Dale Maddox and had uh, Andrew Poor in it. And they were out sharing, and then they were, they were invited in by this family to come into the house. And what they learned once they got in is that the family was preparing for a wedding that day. Uh, that the, a family member was about to be, to be married in just a few hours. I mean, can you imagine someone inviting you into the house when... They're getting ready for a wedding. Like, I mean, that would never happen. And not only did they invite them in and sit there and, enter, and, 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 and spend time with them, they gave them the food that they were going to give at the wedding that day to eat. Now, that's hospitality. You know, this sounds... This sounds like something that I would like to do, but I'm really busy. Like, mm. I'm not sure I have time to do hospitality. Yeah, I understand that. I, I get that a lot from people, frankly, that, that you know, we're super busy. When, when am I ever supposed to have another night of the week uh, to invite people over to the house to do this thing that you're describing? I mean, you're working or you have kids that are involved in extracurricular activities, you're involved at church. I mean, when are you supposed to do this? I think about a quote that Pastor Matt Chandler gave once. He says, I'm not asking you to add a dinner, I'm asking you to add a chair. You're not all, I mean, not many of us miss meals, right? Uh, We eat, and so it's just inviting someone to join you. You know, when we stopped meeting together at the church building on Sunday nights during COVID, we said that when we did that, we wanted our people to be able to enjoy a Sabbath rest on Sunday afternoons. But a second reason that we gave was so that you would have an opportunity to show hospitality to others, that that could be a time that you set aside in your schedule to invite people once a month or twice a month or all every Sunday night for that matter over to your home uh, and to, to, to show hospitality 
to other people. Hospitality sounds exhausting because I'm introverted. The idea of having a bunch of people in my house just doesn't sound fun. That's true. Uh, and you're not introverted, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to get people to come sit at the table at church that are introverted. I'm just going to let you know. Um, Rosaria Butterfield wrote a book called The Gospel with a House Key. And she is introverted. And this is what she said about those that might, that might have objection or, or concern about hospitality because of being introverted. She said, we introverts miss out on great blessings when we excuse ourselves from practicing hospitality because it exhausts us. I often find people exhausting. But over the years, I've learned how to pace myself, how to prepare for the private time necessary to recharge, and how to grow in discomfort. Knowing your personality and your sensitivities does not excuse you from ministry. It means that you need to prepare for it differently than others might. And so just because you're introverted doesn't mean that you get a pass on being hospitable. When they were all together meeting from house to house, I'm sure that there was at least one person in the New Testament church that was introverted also. Uh, and they were doing it as well. And you know, it doesn't even have to be in a home. You could set up a gathering at a local park to hang out. Or you could invite people to join you at a restaurant for lunch or for dinner. If we want to advance the gospel, we're going to have to let it inconvenience our time and our resources. We're going to have to let it inconvenience us. We have to be intentional with what God has given to us because hospitality requires sacrifice. But when we hear the sort of stories that we've heard already this morning, those things seem extraordinary to us. No one would ever do that. But what if hospitality like that were ordinary? So not only do we see in this passage this morning that hospitality requires sacrifice, secondly, we see in this passage that hospitality requires our love. Look what it goes on to say in verse 46. It says, they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. You see what hospitality looked like for them? That they were fellowshipping, they were eating their food together. It says, but they did it with joyful and sincere hearts. That means that they did it with love, that this just wasn't something that they felt obligated to do. It wasn't something that they did begrudgingly. It wasn't something that they felt like they had to check off the checklist. It was sincere, and it was filled with joy. And that's because hospitality is an expression of the gospel in your life. If you go back and read through the Old Testament, Many of the laws of the Old Testament were about showing hospitality to strangers, to sojourners. For example, in Leviticus chapter 19 and verses 33 and 34, the Bible says, When an alien resides with you in your land, you must not oppress him. You'll regard the alien who resides with you as the native born among you. You're to love him as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And so he was telling them, when you have someone who's, who's from another place who comes into the land, you're to show them hospitality. You're to treat them like, like they belong. In fact, God told Israel 
that that's the sort of position that he desires to see in their hearts. In Isaiah's prophecy, in Isaiah chapter 58, in verses 6 and 8, God is telling them what sort of fast that he's looking for from them. He goes, this is the fast that I choose, to break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to tear off every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the poor and homeless into your house, to clothe the naked when you see him, and not to ignore your own flesh and blood? Then your light will appear like the dawn, and your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you, and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. I mean, when you read through this old, these Old Testament passages, you see God is pointing them through to the gospel. And so why is it that this was important in the New Testament church? Because they understood the hospitality that had been shown to them. One author writes, Our Christian motivation for extending hospitality to the stranger is our experience of receiving hospitality from God. We were estranged from God, with no claims on God. But God, in his great love for us, offered us hospitality while we were yet sinners. He invited us into his household, not just as guests, but as adopted joint heirs with Christ. And God's hospitality came at a cost. His only son had to suffer and die so that we might have a place once again at God's table. Hospitality is at the core of the Christian experience. You see, there might be some even here this morning who need to receive this invitation from the Lord to come and sit at his table. And I want you to know that this gospel is for you. It wasn't just for his friends. It wasn't just for people that look like us. This gospel is for everyone. In fact, Jesus tells a parable about sending out his servants into the highways and the hedges and inviting all to come and to sit at his banquet table. And there might be some here this morning who recognize that they don't have this sort of relationship with God. But the Bible tells us that God wants this sort of relationship with you. That he desires that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And so this morning, he's extending to you the hospitality of the Father. To come and to be part of his family. To become part of his kingdom. And that's why Jesus came to this earth. He came and he suffered and died on the cross to pay the price for our sins so that we can be reconciled to God and that we can have a relationship with God again. And so because of what Jesus did on the cross and because he rose up from the grave on the third day, we can be extended forgiveness for our sin. We can be offered life and salvation through faith in Jesus. And we can be welcomed into the family, welcomed around the table. In a few minutes at the end of our service, we're going to have a time of response. And if this is something that God is speaking to you about in your heart, then it's a time for you to come and to say, I want to, to trust in Jesus today as my Savior and to become part of the family of God. This New Testament church, they understood that hospitality was an opportunity to invite the lost into the family. It was an opportunity to, for them to come sit at the table as if they belonged. They were extending love. They were extending fellowship, even though these people were not followers of Jesus yet. And this incredible hospitality that they 
gave often served as a witness that would lead the lost to the Lord. And that's because it was so different than everything else that they experienced in their culture. In the ancient Roman culture, they typically would practice hospitality for important people. If you had money, if you could be a patron, if you could invite them back to, to their house for the big party, then you would be invited over for dinner. For people who could give something in return. But Christians became noted for extending hospitality to everybody, even the least of these. And it was a significant part of how the early church developed this reputation for being those that loved everybody. They loved outsiders as if they belonged. In Matthew chapter 20 or Matthew chapter 5 verses 46 through 47, Jesus says, "If you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Elliot Clark in his book, Evangelism as Exiles, writes that the Christian call to hospitality includes a love for outsiders, for strangers, foreigners, and the other. In fact, the Greek word for hospitality is the word philoxenia. It literally means love of strangers. Philo, like Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Xenia is strangers. It means love of strangers. The opposite of hospitality is xenophobia, which is fear of strangers. So one author says, hospitality is an offer to identify with outsiders and to treat them like insiders. Hospitality is extending privilege across differences. And so when we don't show hospitality as Christians, we're missing out on a gospel witness. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 25, verses 42 through 46. He says, I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't take me in. I was naked and you didn't clothe me, sick and in prison and you didn't take care of me. And they'll answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or without clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? And he'll answer them, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you didn't do for me. And they'll go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And I just have to think that these words were ringing in the ears of the New Testament church as they were inviting these people to come into their house. John, who is a part of this church, writes in 3 John chapter 1, verse 5, Dear friend, you're acting faithfully in whatever you do for the brothers and sisters, especially when they're strangers. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16, they're told, Don't neglect to do what's good and to share. For God is pleased with such sacrifices. It's all through the New Testament. This that we're talking about this morning. But this sort of hospitality is very foreign to our modern American culture. I mean, even the architecture of our homes today speaks to our, uh, to our preferences. We used to build homes with big front porches on them. 
And those big front porches said, come sit here with me. Now we build little porticos on the front, and we build big back porches, which says, I'm back here in my fortress, leave me alone. There was a comedian who does a bit about how people in the 70s felt about the doorbell ringing versus people today, how they feel about the doorbell ringing. You know where this is going, right? In the 70s, when the doorbell rang, people got really excited. They said, hey, did you hear that? The doorbell rang. We must have company, right? Y'all remember when you used to have company? Uh, And they would get really excited because we had company that was coming over. In fact, uh, your mom or your grandmom probably always had a cake in the kitchen that you didn't touch. It was there in case company came over, right? Uh, And they would pull out the cake when company came over, and they'd slice it, and they would be excited because they had company that was over. Uh, And the whole family would gather around, and you would sit, and you would talk, and you'd enjoy this time together because you had company. But today, today if the doorbell rings, you turn off the lights and you hide behind the couch, right? (laughs) And you hope that they didn't see that you were at home. And you say, did you invite somebody to come over? (laughs) Or if you live out, you know, kind of far away, like, you know, off the road a little bit like we do, you go, what are these people doing out here, right? So imagine what an impact it would make in this culture if Christians made biblical hospitality ordinary. If you invited a refugee family into your home for dinner. If you built a fire in the backyard and had the neighbors come over. If you asked a person who was visiting church today for the first time to go to lunch with you afterwards. One author says that the Christian home is the place where we bring church to the people. It's where we bring church to the people, is around the table. I think about the story of Matthew's conversion in Luke chapter 5. Matthew, of course, was the tax collector, and Jesus tells him, uh, sitting at the tax office in Matthew 5, 27, come follow after me. So leaving everything behind, he got up and he began to follow him. And then he hosted a grand banquet for him at his house. He's showing hospitality. There was a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus replied, it's not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So what did Matthew do? He celebrated Jesus. And he invited all of his friends to come over and to meet him. Because people may forget what you said, and they'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And Matthew invited all of his other tax collector friends to come over and meet the man that had changed his life. What if we did that? What if we didn't look at a story like Matthew's as weird? What if we embraced a lifestyle of hospitality for the kingdom? What if this were ordinary? You see, Christians, the action step that we said from the beginning today was that we would embrace a lifestyle of hospitality for the kingdom is to do exactly what you've seen here today. 
And I want to challenge you to get out your calendar and make it happen. Invite people over to your home. Think about people that are, that are lost that live in your neighborhood or that who play on your kids' sports teams or that your kids go to school with or who you go to, to the office every day and sit down the hall from. Invite them over to your home. Put out something to eat. Talk to them. Spend time with them. Get to know them. Let them see what Jesus means in your life and share that witness to them. I believe that it would be an incredible witness in our culture if we would make hospitality ordinary. There might even be some here this morning who need to receive this gift from Jesus into their heart to be welcomed around his banquet table by faith. We shared earlier about how Jesus died on the cross for your sins, how he rose from the dead so that you could have life and salvation. And that might be the decision that you need to make this morning. In a minute, we're going to stand, we're going to sing, we're going to have a time of response. There's going to be leaders here across this front. And if this is a decision that you want to make, then I want to encourage you to come and to trust in Christ as your Savior this morning. But however the Lord is speaking to your heart today, now's the time for us to be doers of this word and not just hearers only. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, we thank you today for this time of study of your word, Lord, for the challenge that we see in this New Testament church, Lord, for the way that they lived together, the way that they showed love and concern and care for other people. God, I pray that as the church today, Lord, that we would see hospitality not as something that's extraordinary, not as something that's strange, but Lord, that it's something that we just do that this is ordinary for us as followers of Jesus to care for people, to invite people into the fellowship. Lord, for them to see what it means to know Jesus and to love him and to follow after him. Lord, to extend this sort of love into the lives of people that don't know you. And so God, may, may we take the time, even during this time of invitation, to start making hospitality ordinary. God, I pray for those this morning who don't know you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, that today, Lord, would be the day that they would trust in you for salvation. And so, God, I, I thank you uh, that you loved us enough to send your son, Jesus, to die on the cross. Lord, that, that you desire that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. And so, Lord, I pray today that they would receive this gift into their heart to come sit around your banquet table. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.